everyone, G Money here, futurist disruptor ape, and your source for all things NFT. You're tuning into the Cutting Edge Podcast, where we discuss the importance of the emerging NFT market with culture's most influential people. Whether you want to know about the next biggest drops or just want to know the basics of where to start, the Cutting Edge can help. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. Hey guys, welcome to The Cutting Edge with G-Money, where culture meets crypto. Today's guest is an artist, researcher, and educator with a simple goal. He wants you surprised. He's been listed as one of Fast Company's most creative people and has won several recognitions, like the Golden Nika from Ars Electronica, the Interactive Design of the Year from the Design Museum of London, as well as being listed in Time Magazine's Best Inventions of the Year. Co-founder of the School for Poetic Computation and professor of MIT Media Lab, where he leads the Future Sketches Group. Please welcome Zach Lieberman, the artist behind the Adidas for Prada resource NFT drop. Hey, Zach, how are you? Thanks for taking time out of your day to come on. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, first off, you know, congratulations on on the drop, and you know, I know we're going to get into that uh, a little in a little bit um, because uh, there's a lot to digest there. But I, I I'd like to. I'd like to start off with something like this in, in researching um, uh, your work and, and your involvement in the space. One of the things that uh, that struck struck me while looking stuff up was the fact that you used to charge uh, your father royalties for telling stories. about. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I don't know where you found that. Yeah, totally. So my father was a professional storyteller. Like it sounds, uh -huh. it sounds like such a strange job, but he went around the country, around the world telling stories like that. That's what he did. He would, you know. And he had stories like he would tell folk tales and he told like long historical stories. And he had stories that he wrote about um, my myself and my sister. And whenever he would tell a story, he'd have to pay us royalties. And we were like so excited. Like every time he would go out to to, um, you know, to another gig, we'd be like, did you tell our story? Like and, and uh, yeah, it was really it was super fun, actually. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. So, like, you're—I mean, you're a Web three native from from back in the day. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> oh man, that's that's crazy, and it's yeah. so funny, right? Because it's like uh, just these simple little things as a kid growing up, right? Like, of course, you're excited when your dad is talking about you at his job, right? So, uh, yeah. it's cool to kind of see that that kind of play out over time, long term, with the royalties and and everything that's happening in the NFT space today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you know, like I'd love to start, you know, like let's start at the beginning of like you growing up. So obviously your father was, uh, you know, he was an artist in, in the form of storytelling. So what was your your exposure to art mediums and, and what spurred your passion for the arts? Yeah. So I grew up just outside of Chicago. And, you know, one thing that I always remember was going into the city, going to the Art Institute, going to other museums, seeing, you know, that I just loved it. Like I was always so happy those days. And um, I think it was like as a kid, just getting that exposure and um, and seeing exhibitions and uh, and seeing, you know, things that you don't even know what they are. Like, I remember this Saul Lewitt sculpture at the Art Institute of Chicago, and it just was this like weird cube. It was it just changed whenever you, you know, kind of like moved your head, it changed. And, you know, the years later, that stuff comes back to me. Like those those interactions come back to me. It was it was a kind of yeah, getting exposure as a kid. I think is probably the most important thing. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, I guess what, as you grew older, right? Like, what at what point did you decide that you wanted you know to go down the artistic path? Yeah. So I loved art. I studied um, painting and printmaking in 
college and I just I I fell in love with the printmaking studio. And the thing about the printmaking studio is it's really social. Like everybody's in there making stuff, putting ink on a plate, pulling a print. You're not you usually think about people making art. You think about it being like alone, right? Like an artist is in their attic just, you know, working alone and kind of like it just feels like this very solitary experience. And when you're in the print shop, it is social. And I just loved it. I fell in love. I, I really, you know, if I could, I just was so happy, like just re really so happy in that space. And then later had to get a job. Everybody was talking about Y2K and the world's going to end in the year 2000. And everybody, all my friends were getting jobs as web designers. And I, I got a job. I learned these tools and I fell in love with coding. And I didn't know you could do it for a living. It's just something, it was just something I just really enjoyed doing and, and spent a lot of time kind of getting into and, and making art through code. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think one of the interesting things is that you were, you know, one of the first like digital art, like coding artists, right? Where you were, you use code um, and generate to generate art over time. And, and so mm -hmm. I guess my question is how did you, you know, what was your first introduction to NFTs? Cause it seems mm -hmm. like, over time that that would be something you would naturally gravitate towards. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I, I, you know, I have a pretty, I'm active on social media. I do sort of daily sketches and post a lot. And I remember getting contacted by different, you know, like, oh, we're selling art this way. You know, like in sort of prior to um, November last year, I just wasn't paying attention to it. I just didn't understand it. And then, you know, you, I saw like what Beeple was doing. I saw, you know, all of these things, people that I know, like friend, friends of mine having success. And to me, it was just really exciting and strange, a really interesting moment, kind of charged moment. And then it was really the, um, there's a curator at a website called Foundation. Her name is Lindsay Howard. And I know her from the media art world. I know her from exhibitions that she's organized. I really, really respect and trust her judgment and she reached out and it was really the kind of the initial contact from somebody that I knew not like a cold dm like oh you should put your work on our site but it was actually somebody that I knew saying you know we have this site you should try it and um and I did and I was like one of the first artists on foundation and just I think it yeah from there just got got really excited about it yeah so you know I, I over your career you've definitely experimented with you know a lot of different programs and mediums mm -hmm. So at, like, as you've been delving into the NFT space, what, what do you think it enables or it makes possible that wasn't, wasn't there before for, for artists and creators? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that it enables kind of at a fundamental level is thinking about the way to make digital media scarce and, and ownable. So you think about a digital file, it's like it could be easily recreated, you know, you it's you can make a perfect copy of it and that's a beautiful attribute of a digital file like that's something that's really amazing about it but there hasn't been really great ways to sell the work right it's been really hard to if you're somebody who makes images or video it's been really hard to you know find a, a marketplace you know i make prints i do all these other things like in order to kind of put my work in people's hands and here was this way to with digital files to put it in people's hands and it's not about exclusivity it's not about making one of something but it's about a kind of enabling a, a sense of ownership enabling a, a a kind of ownership that to me that's exciting i think a lot of the mechanics around royalties are really exciting so you you referenced my dad but like that was for me that was like the first moment where i was like 
that was really surprising. Like the first 10%, you know, something gets resold and you get 10% automatically and you don't have to, you know, I remember chasing after my dad and like being like, did you, you know, you, you owe us money. Um, and like, here was this thing that was like automatic and that was baked into the work and baked into the contract. And to me that, you know, that was really exciting. Right. Yeah. And, you know, established artists, it, it's funny because I, in conversations I've had, there've been, you know, sometimes a, it runs the with, with collectors as well as with artists, your range of responses just uh, is very different, right? I've spoken mm -hmm. to some established artists that have been like, oh, like, I don't care for the royalties, right? But mm -hmm. but then it's also like, well, you know, you're making millions of dollars on like the initial sale. So maybe to you, it doesn't necessarily matter. But to uh, an artist that's just getting started, the royalties really do matter, right? And it's like, yeah, that allows them uh, to kind of have that freedom to go being creative and not necessarily having to do something uh, to pay the bills per se, right? Sure. And there's also, I think that there, when you're making, you know, you're making and selling stuff, you're also thinking about kind of like, what is the marketplace? Like, how am I, you know, what work am I putting out into the world? And how am I pricing it and making a kind of, you know, I think you could like all there are all these knobs and you could say, like, I just want to make profit. Like, I just want to turn, you know, the knob like all the way up to 11. But then you would you'd put work out there and like people wouldn't be able to resell it or, you know, there there is something about kind of having a relationship with people who collect your work and thinking about how to build a kind of, you know, a healthy body of work and, um, you know, royalties play into that for sure. So you can see like, am I, am I putting out work that is actually changing hands and finding the right owner and finding somebody, you know, I'm happy when people hold it for a long time. I'm also happy when people sell it. And it's, for me, it's really about kind of seeing how the work and the market around the work exists. And, and you know, like it's farming, like a, a, you have to tend to it. It's a, you, you know, you can't just let it be. Like you have to be thinking about it and make, um, make informed decisions. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that we've seen in the, in the space is like they're the, the creators and the artists that really interact with their community um, yeah. become the more successful ones, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, it's about that connection, right? Like I, I bought a piece yesterday and before I did, like I reached out to the artist and I was asking them about the piece that I was interested in. And we got on the call and we spoke for 20 minutes. And like, to me, like, that's awesome, right? Like it's, yeah. it's great because now I have like a new friend, not only do I have a new piece of work, but I also have a new friend that uh, hopefully I can have great experiences with going forward. And I think that that's one of like the beautiful things, right? Like, and to, to your point is it's not just, you know, and, and not that it's wrong because maybe some artists are introverts and they just want to put out pieces and they don't want to talk to their collectors or whatever. And that's fine. Right. Because that's part of their creative process. But I think like one of the beautiful things that I've liked is the fact that there's no middleman in there that uh, is kind of curating what my experience is by collecting a piece. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and you, you know, it is, um, I think that relationship and just the conversations that come up for me is so interesting. I remember some of the early days in foundation, having conversations with people who bid on the work and didn't didn't win you know but we're just like so excited like you know we're all like kind of refreshing the browser seeing seeing <laughs> the bids come in like it's like and then getting an email from somebody's like i i was bidding i lost but like i love your work i want to talk to, to you about it and just getting into dialogues with with different folks um for as a as somebody who who makes stuff it's really it's really helpful to see how other people see your work and have those conversations and get to know the people who are interested in support your work. Right, yeah, yeah. That, I, and that's incredible, right? That sense of community, which yeah. I, I think it's, it's kind of prescient to, to what you're doing with the Adidas Prada NFT, right? Is like, 
you know, you as the artist, you invite participants to become performers in it, right? And that's increasing uh, that bond even more, you know? And I, and I think that's something that's very, that's very present in this piece. So, you know, I, how did that idea emerge? You know, that idea of co-ownership, co-creation and co-ownership. Um, yeah. You know. So I was um, contacted by a, a design studio, a Web3 studio called RNA, and they were working with Adidas and Prada. And they um, were just really interested in this idea of a kind of communal project. And I had done a lot of mosaic work like i've done a lot of projects and, and explorations in the past that involve like making images out of images working with kind of huge databases of images finding ways to rearrange them and you know we just started jamming and we got you know it was one of these projects where i can tell if a project is really fun if i'm just sketching all the time and i have like a folder in my hard drive it's like screenshots just like full info you know like screenshot after screenshot we just started jamming and uh and i think the um the general premise was around, you know, here you have these two brands that are collaborating on their this campaign. It's their third campaign together. And can we do a project that really kind of focuses on collaboration, where the community can be a part of it, where we can get a lot of people kind of making, minting work, contributing, and find a way to bring it all together into kind of one cohesive whole. That's awesome. You know, I, and I think uh, the response on, on social media has been incredible, right? Like people have been excited to, uh, to, to take their picture, uh, mm -hmm. run it through the filter and, and hopefully be part of uh, the actual total piece. So I, yeah. I know I'm super excited. So it, it's, it's been pretty cool. You know, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was on, I've been on uh, discord yesterday when the minting was, um, was underway or when I oh, sorry, not the minting, but the submissions were underway. And it was like, it was unreal. Like we had, we had to switch the discord to slow mode, but like for a moment, just everybody was just throwing their images and like what they made. And it, it's so beautiful. And sometimes people have these like amazing stories. Like this is a kid, a drawing that my son made for his grandfather before he passed away. Or another, um, another person had a photograph of a cat and she was like, my cat just passed away, but my neighbor's cat posed. And you know, it just, it's not like, it's like people are, um, are, are not just making a small thing, but they're also like putting their voice into it or trying to tell a story. There's a lot of people who post the kind of before and after, you know, and, and that's so, I feel really touched, like really, really touched to see all the things, creative things, people reverse engineering it. They figured out how the filter works. They like put the picture in the right way so that when it's, re you know, people, people are like having fun for sure. That, that's amazing. Is this the first time that you've done like a, let's say a co-creation, co-ownership project like that? Yeah, definitely. I've done, you know, a lot of the interactive work I do. So I do a lot of like installations and exhibits that involve just inviting people to step up and perform and make the work. So I'm quite used to that, that sort of thing. I've done, you know, online projects where I invite people to, you know, to participate with them. But this is definitely one where it's like the, the idea of submitting content is such an important part of it. So it's, it's a first for me. That That's awesome. Was that now was there? uh like a very technical part of the process like how like how will you be working on it now that you have all the submissions uh to kind of make the final piece so i have um been experimenting a lot obviously i don't know the the image so when we're speaking right now it's before the artwork is is uh launched um but i have been working with a lot of test images so you know i've been experimenting with lots of different collections and databases of images and and trying to kind of figure out how to rearrange them and the same way like the filter is kind of scrambling the underlying image 
the software that I'm writing is almost kind of unscrambling or trying to find a way to rearrange or recompose these these pictures to make new pictures. And for me, it's important. You know, I think we're all like familiar with photo mosaics. We know, you know, you can make an image out of other images. And for me, it's really important that it kind of like be be really aesthetically interesting and kind of play with the mechanics of the squares and the form itself and all of like one thing that I was really noticing from a lot of the submissions is all of these colors, like all of this really rich, vibrant color that people are putting into their work. So it's going to be exciting to figure out how to use that and and play with that. And, and, um, and so my job is kind of to write these software, to write this code and, the com you know, and set up the system. The computer is going to kind of scramble through and think about kind of just an infinite number of combinations of these objects to make the, the right image. Right. Yeah. And then you're going to choose the, the final one that you think looks best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. That, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, so I guess as an artist, right, seeing all the momentum that has mm -hmm. kind of been built around this project, does this, uh, like, have you been thinking about maybe other ideas of like, oh, wow, like, like, like maybe, I don't know what your expectations were, were yeah. from the community going in, but like, would you say that your expectations have been met, exceeded, Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, like definitely exceeded. You know, I would, it's one of these things like I would, obviously you work with brands like Adidas and Prada, like they have, they have, they have attention, you know, and they say like, here's a project, like people will jump at it. But, but I was like, I don't know, in the back of my mind, I had this like doubt, like, what if there isn't 3000, what if 3000 people don't do this? Like, you know, what if, well, I don't know, I, you know, you have these doubts, like you're just like walking around worried about everything. And then I, you know, I can't say numbers right now, but it's like, it's like, way more than I thought. Like, it's just like phenomenal, the amount of enthusiasm and energy that people have put into it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, way exceed, my expectations are, expectations are way exceeded. And now I feel like between this conversation and when the artwork drops, I like, now the bar has been raised for me. So the, it's really well, So have you been thinking about like other like ways mm -hmm. to kind of do something experiential like this in the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the idea of, um, I really like collaborative art and things where people can work together. So yeah, this project, I mean, I can't think about anything except this project right now, but this is definitely something I want to revisit in the future for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, and I, I guess just to switch gears for, for a moment, I kind of want to just go a little bit deeper on your day to day, you know, like as you as a professor and as somebody that, mm -hmm. that teaches, you know, the up and coming artists that are coming into the world, uh, mm -hmm. do you currently discuss NFTs with, uh, with your students? Sure. I haven't um, done, you know, talked about NFTs in the classroom, but I've had a lot of students that have been curious about it. So just, you know, interested, curious. And, the, you know, it's not it's sometimes it's really hard when you're young, when there's something that's happening, you kind of want to be part of it or or also you're not sure. And there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of hype around it as well. So it's hard, I think, for students to understand, you know, what what it is. I think what, that that's true of a lot of things when there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of, you know, kind of excitement, attention, energy, money thrown into a field. It's really hard to figure out, like, what is this thing and what does it feel like? And um, and so I've been yeah, certainly talking to students about it. Right. And I find that the, the like the thing, the issue, the thing with hype is that hype is born out of like, like the, the narrative of right, like, yeah holy shit, this is really cool. This is going to change like how we live as a society. And so yeah. then as that becomes, you know, and you see this with like all hype cycles, right? Where mm -hmm. it, it becomes almost to the point like of a bubble, right? At some point, yeah. but that's because the narrative is so good where it's like, yeah, like you need to be looking at this, right? And yeah. there will be up, up cycles and down cycles, but over mm -hmm. time, it's like, if you zoom out, you know, what is the future of, you know, 
provenance and, and, and yeah. art look like in a digital world, right? And, you know, I think as a digital artist, you, you definitely see the value of uh, having some sort of digital certificate of proof of digital scarcity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's one thing that I always like to counsel my students on is to think about hype as this kind of, it's almost like that's a wind, it's a force, and it pushes in a certain direction. And your job as a student, as a creator, is to figure out, like, how do you work with the wind, right? When you're sailing, you're kind of like, okay, the wind's going in a certain direction. I know as an artist, I want to go, like, here's where I am and here's where I want to go to. And can I use the wind in some way to kind of, like, and to me, I think that's the right way to think about it. It's like, there's this kind of, this is, there, there's an energy um, and you should figure out what direction you want to go into and see if you can use that energy or not. But it's just like that you should know that it's, it's pushing in a certain direction. Right. And, and to take that one step further is like, I love, I, I, I love explaining the concept of NFTs to people because then everybody is creative in their own yeah. shape or form, right? Like whether it be being creative with a new business solution or being creative with art, like we all have that aspect of us, right? That's part of being human. And mm -hmm. so like, I'm just super excited to see how creative people become with this new medium. You know what I mean? Like for the same reason that, you know, when an artist has a physical installation, you know, there could be a unique experience with that. I think we're going to have very unique experiences in the digital world that maybe you can't have in the physical world because of physics, right? Yeah. So, you know, that to me is like super exciting as well. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, you know, as, as someone who currently teaches young adults and the next generation, what do you think we can do to bring more women in the space to create and explore? Right, because I find that uh, in the crypto space, I as a minority, I'm trying to get other minority groups involved in the space. Uh, yeah. But obviously, because it's initially technical, um, you know, some people might be scared to to dive in. But I've been trying to kind of help people understand that like anybody can get involved, right? And the world is your oyster. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I I could speak to my own practice as, as a teacher, like, I think one thing, one, w one thing that's really crucial is thinking about how, who do I bring into the classroom? Like, who are the artists that we study? Who do we talk about? Whose work are we, are we celebrating and, um, and researching? And like that act of curation is really powerful. That act of saying like, here's the syllabus, here's where we're going to go. Here's who, who we're going to interact with and the stories that we're going to learn and tell. And the same thing's true. Like if you're, if you're in a position where you're curating or you're organizing, you're organizing a conference, like that's, that is a responsibility to think about kind of what is the world you want to see. And that act of curation, you know, it can have a really big impact, um, especially kind of like, I think a lot about my status, like I've been doing this for a long time and the interactions that I have with younger artists, you know, I can, I'm, I'm always like really excited to talk to younger artists and, and, and help it help however I can. And for me, that's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's really crucial. And then I would say in terms of the field of generative art, which is the field that I'm, you know, kind of most strongly connected to, you know, learn about and find the collection of female artists and, you know, and and get into their work. So, for example, um, I'm a big fan of Twitter lists. So if you find an artist, I find generally if there's an artist that I'm curious about, I'll just say, OK, what lists are have they made or what lists are they on? And for example, there's a list of female generative artists that I check every day, you know, that I just I can send you the, the link you get to put in your show notes. But it's like I check that every day because it's just full of these voices who whose work I really care about. And I think if you if it's something that you want to see more of in the world, you should just surround yourself with the, the those creators because they are out there. You just need to um, you need to curate your feed. You need to curate your syllabus and. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. 
I think that it starts with that. And then I think it's also about creating spaces, thinking about kind of what can we do to make the spaces more, more friendly, uh, more inviting, et cetera. Right. That, that makes total sense. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I like about this project is that it is open to everybody, right? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, and I guess we'll, we'll take that opportunity to go into the mechanics of the project for a second, because I don't, we haven't spoken about it yet. So there's 3000 NFTs, right. Mm -hmm. uh, of which uh, people are applying, uh, are applying their submissions. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that will be filtered out is what's the reason? Cause I know a couple of people have asked me, what is the reason for having the submission process as opposed to people uh, just kind of, let's say doing it without some sort of duration? Uh, um, um, yeah. I think there is um, maybe some, you know, worry about kind of um, like in the end we're making an artwork, you know, that has Adidas and Prada's name on it. So just making sure that there's no, like, you know, extreme copyright violations or nudity or, you know, there's there are some rules about the artwork, which means it's important that the, the pieces that make up the final artwork be curated, you know, or not even curated, but just that they go through um, a round of making sure that they follow the rules. Right, right. That they're yeah. yeah. And, and, the other, and the other thing is like the number of submissions. I can't I'm not allowed to say the, the numbers. I'm sure um, later this week, the, the, the folks who you know, have been counting can, can say, but like it, it's like an insane amount, like it's an insane amount of, of work. So I think the idea is like, you know, to, um, to have some sort of kind of lottery system, then, you know, choose 3000, um, that way randomly. I think there's also, um, some slots that are reserved for folks who participated in previous projects. Right. Yeah. So it was, uh, from from my understanding, it's fifteen hundred. It's all randomly generated, uh, yeah. random lottery. But of the three thousand, fifteen hundred are being uh, reserved for the into the metaverse uh, people that hold mm -hmm. the Adidas NFT. Uh, I believe there's a certain number that are uh, for people that tried to mint the into the metaverse but weren't able to uh, and lost gas. And then the rest of it will be uh, a random lottery for for people that submitted. So I, I think it's a pretty good distribution of people and in inclusivity uh, and allowing everybody to participate. Is there a reason uh, why you chose the number 3000? Um, so at some point, so the final artwork that I'm going to make is made out of these pieces. And at some point, there is a limit. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like the file size for what we're going to mint as the final artwork. The kind of way that you interact with the um, the pieces, the kind of story that you could tell. At some point, it just they become too small within the final artwork to be meaningful. So, for example, if you said ten thousand or a hundred thousand, you know, it's just then they're just pixels. They're you know, it's almost meaningless. We really want you to be able to look at the final artwork, you know, zoom in, see you know, see the pieces, see where they are on the blockchain. You know, have. Um, we want the final artwork to be something that is really like a kind of map of all this creative expression. And it's just not possible to do with, um, I mean, to mint something, to make a final artwork with, with more pieces. That said, seeing all of the things that people have made, it's like, oh, I wish we had done, I mean, I wish we could use more of them because they're like, they're so great. They're so, so great. So, um, you know, maybe future projects. Right. I mean, that, that would be amazing if this actually... Mm -hmm. Uh, some something else longer term maybe stems from this, right? But that, I think it's I think the concept has been really cool. And then basically, so then those three thousand pieces will be arranged by yourself and mm -hmm. then put up for auction on Super Rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's on coming on Thursday the twenty seventh. Um, I think so. I thought it was the twenty eighth, but yeah, okay. something like that. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> like, I get, get nervous. Got to like speed up yeah. this process. Like, wait, when's my deadline? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so then uh, when that, when that piece does get auctioned, then yeah. uh, how will the proceeds of that be divided? Yeah. So, yeah. so the cool, th I mean, one thing that I really love about this project is that the, pro the proceeds of that are divided among the 3000 people who participated as well as being donated to charity. Um, and that to me, that's like a really exciting part of this project. Um, yeah, there's both a kind of charity component. Um, and then also this, like the idea of people participating is also they have a stake in the final artwork. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool, too. And I, I believe that uh, the the royalties will also go to the the co-creators. Right. Uh, and yeah. Kind of the resale. Exactly. Exactly. And the um, I was just talking to the folks from Adidas today and the charity is called Slow Factory and it's just super cool. I was checking out what they do and they have this like really great education platform. And I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm always excited to make work for for charity. And um, and I just love that there's like both a kind of community um, kind of the community that helps make this work are a part of it and they can benefit from it. But also, you know, the the proceeds from the sale of this work can also go towards charity. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the cool things about this as well is the fact that uh, it's free to mint. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not it's not like you have to pay minting gas or, or costs. And uh, because it's issue on Polygon, I think that that's super interesting, too. So I think it's like a really cool uh, novel way uh, to kind of uh, create art with the community, you know. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, for sure. And you have a lot of people who are new to it and learning how to set up a wallet and, you know, going through all of these things that are that's that's exciting. And just I don't know, for people to feel like they're um, they're I, I, I'm, I'm excited that it's going to be like a, a, a lot of different people participating. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I'm sure that you you're bringing a, a, a lot of new NFT uh, collectors into the space. Right. With your your following from, you know, your traditional art background. Um, I am, I'm curious, I, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how many new wallets mint this is their first NFT because one of the, the cool things when, when we did the Adidas drop was noticing how many new wallets uh, were, were coming into the ecosystem. So uh, I think, uh, you know, through art, through culture is how we get mainstream adoption. So I, I think it's, it's very vital that projects like this are, are, are brought to the forefront, right? Because I think yeah. this is what kind of helps push the narrative and, and helps uh, you know, describe to more people what NFTs are yeah. for people that are coming into the space that don't know anything about NFTs. What would you recommend, you know, whether they be artists or, or just collectors or I guess let's talk about it from the art point of view. Right. Because that is your background. But what would yeah. you recommend? To them? Like to learn about what it is, like how to get started yeah, or like, like how to explore, I guess. Right. Like, yeah, what... yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there are there are some great articles. I think the one I read recently is. Um, Oh, I'm going to butcher everybody's name, but it's um, Matt Desalorius. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. On Twitter, is Matt Desel, D-E-S-L. And he has a um, a piece on Mirror, I think, which is a, just an introduction to um, to NFTs, explaining a lot of the kind of history and background and technology and some of the concerns and issues and so on. And it just feels really kind of like level and and it's just a good article like i think it's a really good article from the perspective of an artist and you know it's it's one that i will re certainly recommend to students in the future and i can share i don't know if you have show notes but i can share yeah yeah, I'll, I'll them, yeah. Show notes yeah. and i think that's a great way to learn about it and just yeah um all right that that's incredible thank yeah. you for sharing that um yeah. what what do you think uh 
what do you think the space is currently lacking? Like, what do you think are ex mm. uh, like opportunities that you think um, that could be explored? But then also, like, what are things that you've seen that maybe could be done better or that yeah. you wish to do better? Um, I mean, I really like I like the kind of art block style. And there's on Tezos, there's a website or there's a site called FX Hash that does kind of art block style, but on Tezos. And I think that is really interesting. But it also it kind of pushes work and a certain generative work, the sort of idea of long form generative work in a certain direction, which is a, almost a kind of random, random minting, you know, you kind of, it has, it's like, it's really playful. Like I love draw, I love art blocks drops and FX hash drops just because you get to see kind of what the, what the algorithm can do. But I keep wondering about other approaches that would kind of stay in the software space, but also allow for maybe more curated, you know, you could actually, as an artist, you could curate the outputs or you could find random seeds that produce really interesting work or, you know, maybe the community could curate them or I don't know. I feel like there's something um, there's something kind of magical about the, that style. But also, I wonder if there's other models like I really like the idea of kind of um, having software on on the blockchain in some way, you know, doing this, having these sort of minting mechanics, but then, you know, I, I would be really curious, like what else is out there? I, I think there could be other things for sure. Have you, have you considered uh, doing a release on Artblocks? So I went through, yeah, so I went through Artblocks. I was part of the curated. So I had a piece get accepted to curated and I had a drop like in October. And I don't know if you remember, but it was like, it was crazy. Like August, Artblocks from like July, August, September like it was crazy and it was so much pressure and I found I actually like canceled my drop because I I um I just found like mentally I wasn't in a good place because you're you know you're working on the software you don't know exactly what it's going to be you keep hitting refresh you know to see what it's going to look like and like there is a lot of magic in creating work like that but I also just felt like I almost I became not like addicted to it, but it, you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen people who like play pachinko, like in Japan, they have this game called pachinko where it's like you put in a ball and it like bounces down and it's totally random, but you go into a pachinko parlor and you see people like staring at a, at a, you know, one of those machines and it's just like their eyes are glazed over or like Las Vegas, you see people right. like gambling, you know, that, and I had this feeling of like, I don't, I'm so stressed out. I doesn't feel, you know, I want to do this. I'm happy to do something like art blocks, but I want to do it when it feels right. Like I want to do it right. when I'm like super, ex I just, it didn't feel right. So I, I um, postponed or I'm, you know, kind of, I don't know, I cancel it, but I postponed my drop with art blocks. Right now, is that something that you think you might be more interested in if you are able to like curate the output to be like, all right, I like that one or, or is that something? Yeah, you yeah for sure. Like if I could choose, if I could choose like a thousand of this, this thing, like, that for sure I would do something like that. And I do that in, in a way, like I post, I do, I put a lot of work on, um, not a lot of work, but I do a lot of um, posting like on Tezos, you know, Hick at Nunk, um, mm -hmm. Versum. like I post work there where I like take really, you know, sort of the best version of the software and put it out there. Um, but I'll, I wanna go back to it. I just, I think as an artist, there's, there was so much pressure because it just was so hype. It got so, you know, right. You know that you, I don't know if you remember that time, but it was yeah, just like, it, it, was, was, it was a feverish pitch at that moment. Like it was late, a few, late yeah. summer. Like yeah, it, now, it was, now might be the time to, to read yeah, it. Like, yeah, I think so. Art craze has died down a little bit. Um, yeah, so I think so. Cause I kind of like, I remember reaching out to, to those folks like in, I don't know, July or like June when it just was, it didn't mean as much. And I think it's, you know, 
I think it having little less pressure on yourself and having fun, it should be fun. Like right. for me, that's the most important thing. And that's something I always tell students is like, do this thing if it's like, if you're going to have fun with it and if it's about the art and you really feel, you know, and yeah, probably it's a better time to come back to it. Have you, have you uh, spoken with Snowfro? Um, yeah, we've spoken before and they were like so great. Like I was freaking out because I was having some technical problems and like they're the thing that I would say about them is they are just like, they are so great with artists. Like they are really, and I kind of lurked on the community for a while and, and decided to go and work with them just because I saw how they treated artists and I just feel really, I'm really supportive of the, the team there. I'm sure he must've been geeking out, uh, talking to you because I know he's been a, a huge generative art fan even before he got into crypto. So I'm sure he must've really really enjoy talking with you yeah it's been cool and it's been cool to like I, i'm I, I think the community there is really great um and then i would say the same thing like i don't know if um you've checked out fx hash but like fx hash is really fun the drops are really fun and i've just i've been just enjoying it so much seeing what people have been making there. Yeah, i i'll definitely check it out i admittedly yeah. haven't i'm part of a dao that's been collecting uh work on on uh tezos but mm -hmm. i haven't necessarily uh been doing much collecting on my own just because of the cross-chain compatibility stuff, but I'll definitely check that out because I, I think that uh, Tezos has almost been acting as like, uh, I don't want to call it the minor of these because I don't want to, like, <laughs> like it's like people, because it's cheaper to yeah. come in and the art is cheaper, people have been going there, kind of do like some, like let's say a little proof of concept yeah. before over to like Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, so. and I think it's also, it's like a fun, I think there are artists who don't don't want to do stuff on Ethereum and I, and I think that's really, that's valid. Like they can, they 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 come to Tezos for that reason. And I think there's people who go, you know, on both, like myself, like experiment on, on in different platforms. Um, I think because things are cheaper, like minting is cheaper and a lot of the prices for things are cheaper. It's also just kind of like playful. Like you can have fun and not, I know like sometimes I'll like mint something on super rare, like make a mistake. And then it's like, I don't know, every, you know, it's like a couple hundred dollars. Like I just messed up. Like I need to cancel the transactions. Like it's not like, you know you feel like okay it's really serious like when i press this button something's gonna happen right. and, and um and that's you know and that's the you know this thing is permanent like you're making something which is permanent and you're embedding it into history like that's important um but there's a way there's a kind of vibe on tezos which is about kind of play and experimentation that i really appreciate yeah that um that's that's awesome have you looked at other other chains or is it really just ethereum and tezos that you looked at the, those are the two um and then this is obviously this project is involving polygon and um i i don't know i've been yeah might do a project um and with solana in the future uh, but i haven't really experimented with other chains right i think it'll be interesting to see is like different chains will have probably different functionality because of, you know, speed processing and, and costs and stuff. So I think it'll be really fun to see what creators do uh, across different different chains. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you can imagine, almost, like, I like the idea of, like, I mean, I don't think, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, like, minor leagues and major leagues, but it's almost like, I don't know if sometimes, like those early days of Hick and Nook, it felt like punk rock, you know, it just felt like right. so weird and just different than, and, like, Foundation has a vibe, like, these, Super Rare has a vibe, like, they all have, they have, like, made aesthetic choices in the interface and kind of how they present work and they just feel different and um i think you yeah you'll see the same thing across different chains for sure yeah so you know i, I want to be cognizant of your time so i know we have a couple mm -hmm. a couple minutes left but i just want to ask a, a couple last 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 couple questions yeah uh, where do you think the future of art will go from here hmm. um that's an interesting that's a good question um i mean i 
the field that I'm in, the generative art field, I think one thing that I'm really curious about is how people, it's obvious that people want to collect this work. I'm curious how people can live with it, right? It's one thing to say like, okay, I'm going to purchase an NFT. I'm going to support an artist. I'm going to have it in my wallet. You know, there are displays. You think, see things like infinite objects or companies that are sort of oriented around displays and things that you can have in your home. But I just, I think like one of the most amazing things is just being able to put something up on your wall and like wake up in the morning and look at it, you know, and, and to have art and to live with it. And I think that's, that's like a super interesting frontier. Um, and then in terms of technology, like I'm really interested in augmented reality and um, what does it mean when we have computers getting smaller and smaller and smaller, becoming part of our bodies? You know, you, you have like, there's this thing, it's so stupid. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's a really good feature. Apple has this thing with the AirPods where when you turn your head, you know, you hear like spatial audio, like you listen to a podcast and like you hear it, like you hear you. I'm always yeah. conscious of the fact that I'm turning my head. But like that is because this thing, you're wearing computers in your ears. You know, there's something really magical about about that. Like we're going to have computation more increasingly part of our body, increasingly something that we live with. And the question that I ask is like, how can we use that for art? How can we? You know, I'm I want artists to be there. Like I'm sure companies, I'm sure advertisers, I'm sure, you know, brands will be there like putting putting messages in your face. But I want to see the world where artists are, you know, using these things and creating new, you know, new stories, new narratives, new experiences of the world. To me, that's really exciting. Right. Yeah. And that that makes that makes so much sense. Does that mean you're you're gonna be signing up to be the first person with the, the Neuralink implant? <laughs> maybe maybe i have a friend he's a musician and he he has um been working on a project where he's trying to um play piano and there i don't know i don't i'm gonna butcher the technology but it's like some sort of um very strong magnet that sort of shut off parts of your brain that actually like 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 incapacitates your brain so he's trying to make music where he's playing the piano but then there's like a device which is turning off parts of his brain as he's playing um is that, which is that even or is it, no it sounds totally unsafe yeah. but he does a lot he does a lot of unsafe stuff i feel like that's either really good for your brain or really bad for your brain i don't know which. yeah there's a really there's a video like of a bbc reporter who's doing reading like humpty dumpty sat on a wall and then they turn off like the part of his brain that deals with language and it's it's insane like it's totally um i'm gonna google yeah. that <laughs> yeah but anyway there's there um uh i i'm sure that i mean there's a lot to explore with the brain with things like Neuralink, but also just even um yeah devices and systems that you know can play with consciousness or maybe even like wake you up when you're um starting to have a dream in a certain dream state or something you know i think there's a lot to play with kind of with uh with kind of how we can use technology to be more creative and empathetic yeah yeah no i i totally agree and i'm really excited for mm -hmm. stuff like that uh and then i guess one one last question before i let you go is that i'm super curious because uh this was a question i had uh when i was reading your bio was uh i'd love to hear more about the school for poetic computation yeah that sure yeah so for years um i taught at a school called Parsons in New York. It's a design school. Um, and I had, you know, been in like the university system for a long time. And then in 2013, some friends and I got really tired of university, like being, being an adjunct or being a professor, kind of being in that world. And we were thinking like, you know, these, these colleges are really expensive, like Parsons, 
um, SVA, a lot of these like private art, you know, programs are, are, are really costly. Like, could we make a low cost school around the thing that we love around coding and electronics and theory, all these things that make art, you know, with, uh, with software. So we um, created the school for poetic computation. It's an experimental artist run school. We're based in New York. We have um, 10 week programs uh, that are really low cost, like not you know, not like a private university, but like really designed to be affordable. Although like, obviously you got to come to New York or, you know, right. it's not, they're not, but it's, it's, it's open. We publish the finances on GitHub and we are like really, it's really like an artist run school. And it's been, yeah, just a joy to see students come through there and then see students like come come back and become teachers and then administrators and have like this cycle of um, just like, just, yeah, really good energy, really good vibe. And what I do there is I teach code, creative coding, and I teach classes that are about kind of interacting with history and recreating work from the past. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. You know, if, if you guys ever do anything with, with NFTs, I'd love to, to come on and have a conversation with your students. You know, I, I definitely am more than open uh, to oh. doing it myself to contribute that's, however I can. That's awesome. Yeah, we'd love to have you by. Um, and and I, I lied. I have one last question, and then I'll let yeah. you go. The, uh, what's your favorite NFT? Oh, so I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if I have a single favorite NFT, but I'm going to mention some artists that I, whose work I really love, whose drops I really love. Um, and uh, let me pull up my browser so I make sure I reference people the right way. Um, so one thing I want to mention is a project by, there's a designer whose work I really admire named David Rudnick. And he has this project, which is um, called Exodus. And it's a set of poems that, that are on the blockchain and that they are auctioned at different time intervals. And it's actually going to take like years. Like they're like, they go well into the future. I think the last one, let me pull it up. It's uh, it's going to take 40 years to go through all of the poems that he's set up oh, wow. to have auctions at different times. So he'll be like 75 years old when the final one is auctioned. And I, I like, I really like projects that play with time or time scale. I thought that was really interesting. I'm a big fan of, um, there's an artist, named Ree Myers and she did a lot of like early um, blockchain artwork. There's a group called Furtherfield that are um, that have done just like really interesting exhibitions around blockchain. Um, and I to me that stuff is really interesting. Uh, I'm a fan of Def Beef. Um, that's an artist that does a lot of kind of on-chain generative coding, uh, but also thinking about NFTs that change like when the NFT changes ownership, the the artwork itself changes. So kind of playing with the form, like playing with what it is an NFT. Um, I'm going to mention a few more. Sorry for all the name drops. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, there is, so one um, project that I've been following that I really love is, um, sorry, I'm going to butcher everybody's name, Dimitri. So the artist who created Ringers, Dimitri. Yeah, Cherniak. Cherniak. So he has this project, which I, I'm fascinated with, called Dead Ringers, where he's generating this art and sending it to random wallet addresses. And it's like, it's really like, probably like nobody will ever be able to receive this work, but it just seems like this really, to me, it's this like kind of beautiful poetic gesture. Like I'm going to make this thing and just send it out randomly into the world. And I, I, I really like those kinds of projects that are like this poetic gesture. And then the last thing I want to um, plug a generative artist. So I was thinking about kind of whose, whose work do I just like admire? Like one of those generative artists that I really admire um, is, and I don't, I'm going to butcher her name. It's Iskra. Um, Vel Velichkova, but her on Twitter is Pointline. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, Pointline with an underscore. And after this 
um, podcast, I'm happy to just send you a bunch of yeah. links. But she's like, yeah. she does this stuff on Tezos, which is just so, it's so beautiful. I think her, her, it makes me, it's like one of these artists that you follow and just anytime they, they drop something, it just makes me really happy. And it, it, to me, I can't say like there's one NFT that I like admire the most, but these are some artists that I follow that I just, I, I think the work they do is really special. Amazing. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. I'm going to, I'm going to be looking all of them up uh, <laughs> right after and, and start following them. But yeah, no, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come onto the show and, and talk about what you were doing uh, with, with Adidas and Prada, as well as, you know, all the stuff that, you know, you're working on and your thoughts on the space. So thank you for taking the time and I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks so much. And it's like, so that story that you opened with is hilarious. I haven't thought about that in years. So it's like, that was really great. Thanks for the great conversation. Good. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Cutting Edge. Subscribe to stay up to date on our latest episodes.